0: So for those of you who read The Age of Influence, you understand how digital influence and influencer marketing works in digital and social media. I'm really excited today to have on a very special guest and a good friend who is going to talk about influencer marketing, not just digitally, but also offline. And more importantly, how we can weave the two components together. So if you're looking for a real holistic overview of how your business can leverage influencers, stay tuned for this next episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast with Neil Schaefer, where I help marketers, entrepreneurs, and business owners grow their businesses using innovative marketing techniques, leveraging the concept of digital influence throughout digital and social media. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Neil Shafer here, and this is episode number two Hundred and one. For those of you who listen to episode number 200, I hope that this group coaching membership community is something that you're interested in applying for. I am going to be ending the applications on March 15th, so just a gentle reminder, if you're interested, go to neilschafer.com membership, fill out a real simple application form, and we'll be in touch after the 15th. So, on to today's show where I have a special guest and someone that I have known for more than a decade, since the very, very first social media marketing conference that I went to called Blog World. And it's amazing the people that I met at that conference for the first time, how I still have relationships with them. We've kept in touch. And I think that a lot of people have very fond memories of that event, those that were able to go uh, to that event in Las Vegas. And I remember one night we were at a uh, strip mall out there in Las Vegas, just looking for networking opportunities. Me and my friend, Tim Tyrell Smith from Tim Strategy, man, he's isn't even a blogger anymore, but maybe some of you remember he's more of a, he was a career strategist, but you know, good friends here in Orange County. And there were a bunch of people hanging out that were, had the blog world passes on and, and there was Jason Falls saying, Hey, let's, you know, go get a beer. And, and from then I've really admired, you know, not only as a person, but also his work. He's written a few books. He wrote the book, no BS social media back in the day. And but serendipitously, he is someone that I reached out to when I was looking to be on 100 different podcasts, And he goes, no way, Neil, I'm writing a book on influencer marketing too. So we have Amanda Russell who wrote The Influencer Code, who you heard back a few episodes, and she's now my co-host for the School of Influence podcast. And now we have Jason Falls, who just in February, just a few weeks ago, came out with his book, Winfluence on Entrepreneur Press. It is a fantastic book. It's really brand new in the market. And we share so much in common in the way that we look at influencer marketing, but we all have very different perspectives on it based on our own professional backgrounds. Jason delivers a really, really unique perspective that is even, I I dare say, more holistic than the perspective that I bring. So I think, you know, I have a smile on my face as I talk about Jason in the interview. I think you're really going to like this and get a few more nuggets of wisdom for better understanding digital and non-digital influence, and how to best leverage influencers for your business. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jason Falls. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. There are very few other people that write about influence and influencer marketing, Recently, you've had Amanda Russell on the show as a guest. And well, for those of you that don't know, I actually have launched a second podcast with Amanda called The School of Influence because there's just so much to talk about. And that's why I'm really excited today to bring you a guest who is now joining myself and Amanda in contributing a lot of value around the subject of influencer marketing, but comes at it from a different perspective that I think you're going to find really valuable And by the end of this podcast, I guarantee you're going to want to go out there and pick up this book. So he is the author. Well, let's play a little game here. He's the author of No Bull S Social Media. I'd say the whole name, but this podcast does have a clean rating on Apple. And as I was preparing for the podcast, I see he also wrote The Rebel's Guide to Email Marketing, which maybe we'll hear about as well. But fast forward nine and 10 years after those two books, he is now back with WinFluence, framing influencer marketing to or reframing influencer marketing to ignite your brand. No other than Jason Falls. Jason, welcome, my friend.
1: Neil, thank you so much for having me, man. It's good to be back on the show. I think I was on this years ago, maybe, or something like that, but it's good to good to reconnect
0: something like that and you know i i I appreciate i was on your show as well and i I always tell people that first meeting you outside of blog world back in the day in las vegas at some random las vegas strip mall and you're there saying hey let's all go out for a beer so always had uh, you know good memories and and you know noblesse social media and man I mean you started with those books back then I think you went to corporate for a while I think you're at corporate again right so you've you've gone sort of back and forth and worked with a lot of brands and I'm excited to hear what what you got for us today but for those that don't know you for the very few can you give just a brief snapshot of how do you describe yourself?
1: Sure. So I I usually just describe myself as a digital strategist, but I mean I'm a I'm a PR guy by trade. Uh, I worked actually in college athletics as a PR guy for 15 years before I got into the whole mainstream marketing thing. I had no and, idea. Uh, yeah. So I, I basically was the guy who ran the press conferences after ball games and made sure the media had seats on press row and stuff. That's what I did. So I, I cut my teeth on PR, and which, quite frankly, is influence marketing in a lot of different ways. And so that's kind of always been what I did uh, from a professional standpoint. When I made the, the transition into agency life in the uh, mid-2000s, that was when social media marketing was kind of coming to the forefront for brands. And I happened to be someone who was kind of a, an internet geek, self-taught. I knew blogs, I knew forums and message boards. And so I, I got in and started talking to our clients about it and they were interested in doing things. And so that kind of snowballed itself. And basically over the course of the last 15 years or so, I've been primarily an agency guy slash consultant. You are right. I did step out and I was the uh, VP for digital strategy at Cafe Press, which is an online retailer. You can order you know, custom products from, from Cafe Press with your own pictures and art on them. I remember, yeah. Yeah, and so I was there for a little while, but I've basically been back on the agency consultant side of things since I left Cafe Press in, I believe, 2014 or 15. I don't remember now. The years all kind of blur together, but I'm back at, at an agency now. I've been at Cornette, which is an ad agency in Lexington, Kentucky, for the past three and a half, almost four years now. And And one of the things that I've been really focused on is building influence marketing programs for our clients primarily because, A, that's where consumers are getting a lot of information these days, and B, because our clients are like, hey, we want to be on the the leading edge of things, so you're supposed to be someone who can take us there, so let's go.
0: That's awesome.
1: And I literally,
0: I, I had no idea you had that PR background. It's really interesting yeah. because I always tell people at the beginning, I mean, it really was PR that was driving social media programs, mm-hmm. right? And even today, there are still companies where it is believe it or not, PR, not marketing. So a lot of respect for that. And yes, the more I work in influencer marketing, the more I'm like, you know what? This is probably more of a role for PR than marketing, right? I'm sure we're (laughs) going to talk about that. But I find it very interesting. I, I mean, I want to hear how you came around with the book, but working at an ad agency, that there are clients that want to work with you for influencer marketing. I would think when companies come for ads, they're willing to spend a lot of money, They might get some depending on a lot of different factors, but you know, they're, they're driven towards ROI or obviously with, with with paid media. Uh, How has that shifted into influencer marketing for your clients? (laughs)
1: So it's it's interesting because Cornet is a you know full service ad agency but for the last 10 years or so we've been very anchored in the digital space and so that can mean online media that can mean social media we do a lot of social content for our clients as well and and influencers I think are an extension of that now I will say that there are there's a, a wide spectrum of of how our clients view influence marketing we have a couple that look at influence marketing as a paid media channel where you're going to buy an ad on an influencer's channel and they just treat it like an ad, which is not the way I like to think of it philosophically. But you know what? If the client just wants impressions, all right, let's go out and see how much it'll cost to get impressions with this particular influencer. So that's what we do. I try to counsel them otherwise, try to you know breathe some sanity into what they're trying to do there. But at the same time, if that's their goal and that's what they want to accomplish, we go after that. On the other end of the spectrum is kind of the PR perspective of this. So we want to build relationships with influencers over time so that there's a true partnership. There's a value exchange. We provide value to them sometimes in in, in monetary means with, with buying and paying for content that they create for us or with us. Sometimes we provide them value with resources or access to information that they wouldn't otherwise have. A lot of influencers that we work with love to be partners of the brands that we represent. And so sometimes just having the relationship is enough to say, well, I want to do content with you guys. I'm not worried about, you know, you writing me a big check. We'll, we'll iron all that stuff out later, but let's just figure out how to partner together. So there's value in it for them. There's value in it for us, obviously, because we are getting our clients in front of the audiences that they want to get in front of. But there's also value in it for us in the content that the influencer creates, because in most of the stuff we do, the influencer may post it on their channels, but we may post it on our channels too. And so it's almost as if these content creators are literally freelance talent that we're engaging to create great content on social channels that maybe we don't necessarily have uh, that level of skill i'm 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 not someone who's going to go out and create an engaging tiktok video because that's not my thing i might engage someone who can and we can use that content on our channels too
0: yeah i know i hear i mean that was my first aha moment maybe like 5 6 years ago i was working with a brand and they were focusing on basically uh, it it was a a health item for newborn mothers mm-hmm. so we were obviously focusing on mommy bloggers and the photos, and this is before Instagram, but the photos that they made of the product in action with mothers, with babies, the creatives that they just put in the blog posts were way better than anything this brand was creating to promote their own products, right? And that's when it's like, well, wait a minute here. Why are we, <laughs> you know, working with them to create content? So I think a lot more companies have woken up to that today, thankfully. But I, I hear you. So at, at some point though. Because I, when I reached out to you and I wrote The Age of Influence, it's funny because Amanda Russell said the same thing. She goes, damn, you beat me to the market. I'm writing a book, too. And then, and then you're like, hey, I'm writing a book, too. So what was the trigger point, being that you hadn't written a book in, in so long, what was the mm-hmm. trigger point that said, you know what? And you probably came to the same. I mean, Amanda and I had the same thing. Like, this is so misunderstood. We have to write a book about this. And I'm assuming you came to the same conclusion. But was it was there a trigger point or, you know, tell us about that, that story.
1: Yeah, it, it's almost exactly the same story in a lot of ways. I mean, there was uh, the misperception of influencers by uh, the clients that we work with, and a lot of the business owners and, and whatnot. The marketing executives that I was talking to, I got a lot of eye rolls, and ah, uh, influencers are—I call them the peace sign duck lips crowd. You know, they—they're superficial. There's not a whole lot of value in what they do. You—they can't, can't really drive success. And that's a, a gross misperception of what influence marketing and influencers can bring to the table. And so, WinFluence, the subtitle reframing influencer marketing to ignite your brand, it really is calls back to that moment where I said, look, we're looking at influencer marketing all wrong. And my sort of premise in the book is if you take the R off of that word, influencer, now you're now you're talking about your goal. You're trying to influence an audience to take action. And so if we just reframe and rethink, stop calling it influencer marketing, start calling it influence marketing. Now, all of a sudden, you're not predisposed to think of selfie takers on Instagram or goofy ass people on YouTube. You're now saying, oh, it's influence marketing. I'm, I'm trying to influence, not I'm trying to influencer, which has a, a preconceived notion. When you look at it that way, all of a sudden your your horizons are broadened. Well, I can use political lobbyists to influence laws and and policies. I can use... Parent Teacher Association heads to influence the way the local PTA and the local school board makes decisions. You can think about influence in a much broader level. And now all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, if I want to influence an audience to take action for this brand, yeah, there's people online that have big social media followings that I can engage. But if it's a local business, there might be a lot of people in the community that I want to use for that. And so that kind of widens the perspective a bit and helps you uh, focus more on what you're trying to do, not the channel in which you're trying to do it.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. I do find when you talk about influence, the reception is very, very different. You have books like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. The concept of influence in business is very evergreen, and those at the top get it but influencer marketing, you're right. The, the perception is just completely different. So I love how you have literally reframed it. And that's just a, a brilliant subtitle for the book, I think. So your book then, obviously, and you had mentioned this when I was on your podcast, it's not just, I focus really on on the digital social side, but there's a lot more to it in terms of relationships. And you had mentioned that your book also covers offline influence. So can you give us an introduction as to you know how you look at that?
1: Sure. So kind of what I was referring to a minute ago, you know, when I tell people in the book and and I've answered this question of our clients a couple of times, if, if you want to use influence marketing rather than influencer marketing, just a subtle change in how you say things, what you're doing is you're ultimately saying, okay, what is the audience we're trying to reach? And what do we know about them? Who influences them? How are they impacted to make decisions, to change buying Mm -hmm. behaviors? And that that answer might be that they spend a lot of time on Instagram, so we need to engage people that post interesting content in that particular vertical and we can perhaps sway their thinking. Um, especially with Instagram influencers who are really good at engaging their audience and drawing people in, and doing more than just posting pictures. But it might also be that, for instance, I'll give you a case study example that we've done at Cornette. A couple of years ago, the University of Kentucky Healthcare System, which is basically the public hospital, you know, system in in Lexington, Kentucky, in Central Kentucky, we did a big, you know, sort of rebranding or, or a, a branding campaign for them, and it it all kind of kicked off with a brand film, not really a sizzle reel, but a brand film, a two-minute kind of mini-movie that sort of walked you through these kind of dramatic storylines that tied to the the various areas of care that UK healthcare is known for. The target audience in that instance was what we call the someday audience. So people who don't need UK healthcare for cancer or heart or orthopedic treatment now, but they might someday. So we're talking to mostly moms, parents, people who are caring for elderly parents. So that's kind of the group that we're looking at. So what we decided to do was they said, well, we need to get a lot of people to watch this brand film to start off. Well, knowing that our target audience were were basically 30, 40, 50 year old women, primarily in central Kentucky and Lexington, Kentucky, you know, a a YouTuber uh, or an Instagrammer with, you know, half a million followers isn't going to do me any good if I'm very geo focused. But we do know that we have some very geographically focused influential people in and around Lexington, Kentucky. So we got John Calipari, the head coach, basketball coach at the University of Kentucky, works for UK. So that was kind of an easy one. And he's arguably the most influential person in the state of Kentucky. So he was kind of, check that box. Yeah, And I would almost consider him a celebrity, not just an influencer. But anyway, so we have him. We have uh, a, a couple of local sort of business reviewers, event people called the Kentucky Taste Buds. It's two young ladies who have a morning radio show on the weekends and they also do a blog and a podcast, but they go to local businesses and review restaurants and stuff like that. And so they're going to impact that audience. So we found that 43 people who impacted that audience from an online influence perspective, but We knew that that wasn't the only thing that was going to drive buzz around this brand film. We knew that the internal audience at the University of Kentucky Healthcare system, the nurses, the doctors, the administrators, that was an important audience for us. So the day before the film debuted on Facebook, which I'll get into why we used Facebook in a minute, we actually debuted the film internally to the internal team and said, tomorrow, this is going to go public. We want you to go to the Facebook page. We want you to watch the video, comment on it, like it, et cetera. We engaged the influencers, the online influencers, to do the same thing on the day that the film launched. But then we thought wait a minute, these are not the only people who are influential for this audience. You've also got a local dentist who is very popular, the the music director at the local Presbyterian Church who has a huge congregation, the CEO of the Urban League, the mayor of of Lexington, uh, Linda Gorton, was involved. So we got the local state representative. We got all these local people who had a big impact on the community and had influence over the community but weren't necessarily tied to a social network or a big following online. What we did with those three audiences is we coordinated uh, the timing of the, the video is going to launch at this time. And within the first two hours, we want to feed engagement into that. We want people to watch it. We want people to like it. We want people to comment on it and tell their UK healthcare story. And we knew if we did that, we were hitting those triggers of reach, relevance, and resonance that the Facebook algorithm looks at and uses to prioritize content in people's news feeds. Mm-hmm. Lexington, Kentucky has a population of 320,000 people. By the end of the 30-day period after the thing launched, we had over 800,000 views of the video. Wow. So we, we had more than 100% market penetration, at least from a numbers perspective. And everybody you know, was talking about this video. It was a really good film. We did a nice job with it. If I do say so myself, my, my team <laughs> at Cornette did a great job with it. So the, the film was great. The engagement we got was great. And what happened was so many people came and told their UK healthcare story that we actually flipped that into a new content site where we told the UK stories online. And now it wins search and it's great content for the brand. And so it just kind of one thing led to another led to another. And that's because we didn't look at it through the silo of online influencers. We looked at it through the wider lens of people who influence our audience.
0: That's an amazing case study, my friend. And, and it brings together all those elements of really holistically looking at who has influence in the community online and offline, but also adding the fact that because everybody is on Facebook, I, I figured you were going to allude to that point, that that's the natural place where you're going to drive people to say, hey, this is where you can comment. You brought up the the internal team, that employee advocacy, for lack of a better word, of getting them to share it. And there's I was going to ask, well, how do you measure this? Well, if you get more, if you get 2.5x, impressions compared to your population, <laughs> you know, you've done a good job. So, and obviously yeah. I assume where was that pure organic? Was there a paid component? Or a just in case paid component, or just hundred percent organic.
1: The only paid component was we did have we paid a few of the online influencers who we used to engage around the content. Gotcha. Uh, But there wasn't a paid advertising component to the video that I don't believe. And you know we just we got really good organic lift out of this thing. If there was a paid component of it, it was probably, you know, after the first day was over because we had a really nice impact. I think within a few hours we had like forty thousand views of the video. So it was just really good metric. And again, you mentioned measurement, you know, there's the, the measurement of success of how many views of how many engagements and whatnot. But again, the value of it all the way we were really, really measuring success was, were we aligning the community with the brand, you know, sort of messaging of we are proof. That was the name of the film. The UK Healthcare is proof that we are a part of your community. We're invested in you. We want you to be invested in us. And seeing all of the sort of surveys and other research that that they do for the brand throughout the year, the numbers all up and to the right because it resonated with people and we got so many people involved.
0: So I want to ask about the video itself. Were influencers involved in the creation of the content or the content was purely
1: created between Corbett and ufK the the content was purely created by UK and Cornette. it was ba- it was basically in, in it wasn't a TV commercial but we treated it that way it was a mm-hmm. brand film we casted it it was scripted you know and and it was a cinema, cinematographic that's a word it was a cinematographic right. effort you know it, it was treated like a movie and it was really kind of a mood setter for the entire advertising campaign that followed and then so that we are proof message was launched there and moved into an ad campaign but then also moved into different social components and different other ways that that UK healthcare talks to his audience and reinforces that notion that you know we're we are this is proof that we are as much a part of your community as you are and we are here for you when you need us and again the information the the, the content that we captured from people telling their UK healthcare story continues to feed this you know sort of online magazine content engine which is essentially a bunch of ratings and reviews for UK healthcare hanging out there on the internet for people to go see what it's like to trust them for your healthcare services so it's just a really powerful story of how a really cool inspired idea with some what i would call you know pretty innovative uses of the concept of influencers yeah. was able to manufacture, you know, f- things that are still reaping benefits for the brand a couple years later.
0: Yeah, the gift that keeps giving, honorable I'm, I'm almost reminded of the ice bucket challenge. This wasn't a challenge yeah. per se, but it was mm-hmm. so impactful that it 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 got people talking about it and people are still talking about their experiences and that content just keeps flowing. That's amazing. So, I'm curious, some of the people listening to this podcast, some might be marketers for larger brands mm-hmm. where they have the resources to engage with with so many different touch points in their community. Others might be more small business owners or digital entrepreneurs, but I know that they can leverage these same concepts So on a smaller scale, whether it's be case studies or, or advice from your book, how mm-hmm. would you recommend uh, people go about, you know, creating their own trust us or U of K type of campaign?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, it all, it really, again, all goes back to, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then, and, and once you know that what who's your audience and what do you want them to do? What's the goal for that audience? When you identify the audience really well, then you're able to ask the question, Okay, who or what influences them? How do they make buying decisions? How do they make decisions on, you know, changing their mind on certain issues? Is it they have conversations with family and friends, which it probably is that to a degree. But do they also go online to look for information about the products or services that we sell? And so it's really kind of identifying, Okay, who or what channels do they look to for that type of information? And so there's actually a case study I point out in the book there uh, it's a UBS the financial you know services company mm-hmm. They, you know, one of the, the primary product lines that they have are annuities, right? And so it's a, a, a kind of a retirement investment thing. It's a, a, you invest a little bit of money and then over, you know, basically when you get to retirement, it basically pays you a salary or something, or you know, that's the gist of an annuity. Right. And so they had a gentleman, UBS had a, a gentleman that was kind of had some content and was an expert in, in annuities and understanding what they were. They literally used one influencer they reached out to one guy's name was Nick Bamford, or no, I'm sorry, Martin Bamford, Martin Bamford. The other guy's name was Nick. So Martin Bamford and Martin Bamford is a financial services you know, guy at a, at a firm in Great Britain. And he had a podcast, the podcast didn't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads a month. It might've had a couple thousand downloads a month and it was very niche and it was very focused. So, UBS pitched this Nick, whatever his name was, the executive who had an expertise about annuities to be a guest on this guy's podcast. Mm -hmm. And based on that one appearance, they were able to measure a 4X uptick in leads to buy annuities. Now, if you know anything about an annuity, this is like a $100,000 investment or more. It's a lot of money. And they multiplied it by four, one influencer, one podcast appearance. So, Anybody can do this if you identify the right person who impacts the audience you're trying to persuade. And if you find that one influencer and you just reach out and start a relationship and make friends with them and say, okay, what value can I provide to them so that I might get value back from them and their audience in return? What value can I provide to their audience? Which is another trigger for influencers. If you're if you're not able to pitch, well, here's what I can do for you, pitch what you can do for their audience, because that's going to turn a lot of them on. As long as you can identify that and reach out and provide them with value, you have an avenue to using influence marketing to persuade um, you know, someone to take action. I will also go further to say that UK healthcare case study, by the way, costs less than $15,000. Wow. So it's not like we went out and paid hundreds of thousand dollars for these 43 influencers. and whatnot. that was using internal employees. It was reaching out to people in the community who we knew, like the mayor. What, what, what's she going to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so we, we reached out to people who had impact on the community and had obviously a good affinity for the brand. And when you're the biggest one of the biggest employers in town and you say, hey, we'd like your help with stuff, elected officials and whatnot like to pitch in. Sure, And then we found influencers and we had a very small budget and said, look, I don't have a big budget, but I'm not asking you to do something crazy. I'm not asking you to go out and cre- the Kentucky taste buds are a great example. I'm not asking you to create a bunch of blog posts and videos and whatnot. All I want you to do is go watch this video and react to it the way you would normally. So yeah. it's not like we were spending a bunch of money to do that.
0: It's a small ask and you've already created the content, but because of the employer and the community, there's this natural affinity. Mm-hmm. For you, okay, because they're, you know, everyone has to go there if, if you know, God forbid something happens. So, yep. but that's those are two great stories. And I think I agree 100% with that notion that what can you offer the influencer? And there's mm-hmm. so many things that brands can offer influencers or even small companies that they mm-hmm. often forget about. I mean, information obviously is one of them, but it, it's really that, you know, I'm not going to say karma, but the more you invest in the relationship, obviously, the higher the return. I know that you've seen that as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I'm, I'm curious now. So the book was published books already been published, correct? Or
1: is it still technically it comes out when we're recording this, it comes out a week from today. is the official launch date. Okay. But Amazon apparently got their shipment early and hit send. So people people have the books in their hands as we're recording this. So it's out there. And by the time you hear this, it will be in bookstores and on, on online retailers everywhere.
0: Awesome. It's influenced by Jason Falls. So now with, and I was the same way. I mean, my book came out in, in March of 2020, and you're obviously February of 2021. We're still in the midst of the coronavirus. What, mm-hmm. what, and, and obviously you work for uh, an ad agency, but what are your sort of uh, promotion plans over the next few months?
1: Well, I think that I have pitched myself and or am scheduled on over 250 podcasts.
0: Beat me, my friend. I was <laughs> because, only 100. Dang.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going crazy on it because, you know, Good there's no you. events really for us to go speak at or get in front of a couple hundred, a couple thousand people at a time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be doing that. I'm very fortunate in that my publisher is Entrepreneur Press. And obviously, you know, Entrepreneur Magazine is a nice platform. So I have a, an additional sort of marketing engine behind Behind what's happening. In fact, tomorrow I'm recording a uh, live reading of a chapter that's promoted along the entrepreneur network. So awesome. I, ha- I have that working for me, which is a great plus to have a publisher like that behind you. But I'm just going to continue to hustle and talk about the book. I've got the WinFluence, the Influence Marketing Podcast, which is a companion podcast to it that you've been on. And Amanda's been on, by the way. All and well. I'm I'm going to continue to sing the the song of the influencer and and defend the reputation of influencers against the mainstream media trying to put them in a corner. Amen um, my friend. And and hopefully enough people find out about it that the book will be a success.
0: Yeah, no, it's great and and I hear just from your description that that background that you have rooted in PR mm-hmm. has really given you this unique holistic perspective on influence. And and just like Amanda herself being a former fitness influencer turned mm-hmm. entrepreneur and myself looking at it really from the social media digital marketing you know strategy perspective that we all have our own unique perspective. Sometime the three of us will have to come together and do something and just own the entire market. But well, but no, that's it was, really. Ex-
1: it, I was just gonna say it was really funny because when I when I started when I sat down and said well I'm gonna do a podcast about influence marketing, and you were one of the first names I wrote down on my list of having on the show, and it wasn't a couple days later that I realized that Amanda had written a book too. And so I'm like, well, I, this isn't competition, man. We're all in this thing together. So let's just get them both on. So I was glad to have both of you on the show. And and, and I'm glad there's other people out there championing, championing the cause.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that it's so misunderstood that someone reading multiple books on the subject from multiple perspectives is going to get three, four, 10x the value. Oh, yeah. So, well,
1: I mean, and when I was when I was coming up in in PR, I remember I I, I went out and bought every book on yeah. PR that I could find and every book on marketing to, you know, kind of get get my head wrapped around things and the different perspectives, like you say. I mean, having Amanda's perspective uh on the table as someone who has built influence from a personal profile perspective, the way she has is incredibly valuable for your all's podcast, for the content that she does, for the brands that she works with. Yeah. I mean, having that insider perspective is, is really unique. I mean, you and I have a little bit of that because sometimes the marketing software companies reach out to us and want to use us as influencers, but we don't have it nearly at the scale that she does.
0: Yeah, no, without a doubt. So, and, and it is such it's more of like an art than a science when you look at the different things you can do in marketing, like, like ad units, right? I mean, programmable ad units, you know, when I go to some social media conferences and they're all about Facebook ads, I'm like, that's not social media, that's paid media, right? It's, it's more of a technology and a science. Sure. There's some psychology behind the creatives and, and what have you, but, but influence it's people at the end of the day, it's people and it's relationships and it's what you can provide them, what they can provide you. And they can do so much, it's really, what are you going to ask them to do? And I love, you know, a lot of what you said is very, is, is, is very basic that everybody should understand, but people forget what do you want them to do for you and ad unit, It's like a call to action. What's that going to be? But when you partner with an influencer, what, what is it that you want to get out of that relationship? And I think it's much deeper. It sounds simple, but there's just so much possibilities. So I love the fact that you have case studies in your book that, that talk about those possibilities because without seeing it like that, people just don't see it, right? So that's awesome. And I hope everyone listening, at least if you've read The Age of Influence, you owe it to yourself to read WinFluence. So make sure you go out there and get it.
1: Well, I've read them both and they're both awfully good. So <laughs> you should do that. There you go.
0: All right, Jason. So obviously people want to find out more about you. They, they buy your book available wherever fine books are sold. They subscribe to the WinFluence podcast. Did you rebrand your website or what's your URL these days?
1: Jasonfalls.com. I'm really easy to find. There's a politician in North Carolina with the same name who does not like me at all because I got all the handles and the first three or four pages of a Google search. So that's awesome. That county commissioner down in Cleveland County, North Carolina. If you ever see him, tell him I said hello.
0: Yeah. You know, there's another Neil Schaefer out there, but he spells his first name N E E L. He's a engineer out of Baltimore and sometimes people mistake him for me on Twitter and what have you, but seems like a cool guy. I doubt he's listening
1: to podcasts, but anyway, well, it's it's, that- it's, 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 not nearly as bad as uh, there's a comedian out there named Dan Levy. Okay. Who is not Daniel Levy, the star of Schitt's Creek and okay. Eugene Levy's son, but he's a great comedian and he's got a really funny bit about when that, when the Daniel Levy does something crazy that the media goes nuts about Dan Levy gets his hate mail <laughs> so and his hate tweets and trolls. So it's, 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 it could be worse.
0: Okay. So Jason Falls is in Lexington, Kentucky, not yes. in Cleveland County, North Carolina. It's the Correct. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and obviously, if you listen to a lot of podcasts like I do, you're sure to hear him on one of those other 250 podcasts. You're going to have to <laughs> Just like I recorded an episode of why I'm on a hundred podcasts, you're going to have to create your own episode of why you're on 250 episodes. But oh, yeah. I think that's really smart. And I agree when you know, uh, podcasts are a great way to to talk about, I, I know a lot of business people, entrepreneurs, even a lot of executives that religiously listen to podcasts. So it is a great medium and it's amazing. And I think you're going to find this, Jason, once your book gets into more and more hands, it, it there's so many ways you can influence marketing becomes a platform. There's so many different angles, you can talk about the subject that you're going to find a lot of interesting opportunities uh, come your way. So I'm really excited for you. Congratulations again. I know it was a long time in the making and uh, we're a week. Well, I guess Amazon's already started, but yeah, your your baby is going to be out in the world and <laughs> taking their first baby steps. And I, I, I know that baby is going to be successful. So congrats, my friend.
1: Well, I appreciate it, man. And I, I love your book too. And I'm, I'm glad that it's been successful as well.
0: Hey, any last minute advice just to end the show for you know, marketers, business owners, entrepreneurs looking to really, you know, win at influencer market or winfluence, any any last advice that we might not have covered?
1: I think we covered most of it, but I think what the last thing I would say to people out there is this is not complicated and people who have influence are probably thirsty to work with you. It's just finding the right one to approach to say, hey, what can we do together? Let's let's partner, let's collaborate on something that's really cool for you and really cool for your audience, but that is also really cool for me and my audience too. And if, I think if you approach just about anybody out there who has influence, whether it's online or off, you're probably gonna start a relationship that's gonna be really fruitful for both of you.
0: That's great advice. And I, I would add, just make sure that you're personalizing that and mm-hmm. let them know. It's like, you're not gonna go, No matter what sex you're interested in and you're at the bar, you're not going to say the same thing. Well, you might say the same thing to 10 different people. I don't know. I mean, I I would assume you try to personalize the message, but uh, just because the first two turn your way doesn't mean that everyone's going to turn your way. And I, I think that's, you know, the same way of working with influencers. So thank you so much. This has been Jason Falls, WinFluence, reframing influencer marketing to ignite your brand. Buy that book right now, because by the time this episode is out, the book is out and jason once again thank you so much for joining us best of luck and i'm sure we'll be in touch neil thank you so much man hey thanks for listening to the episode i i hope you enjoyed it as much as i do did and i hope it reaffirms just this value of influencer marketing for your own marketing regardless of the type or size of business that you have as always i want to thank you all for listening to the end here And a reminder that this podcast really wouldn't exist without your support, your subscriptions and your reviews. So if you have a second and you got value from this, I'd really appreciate if you could go into Apple or Spotify or wherever you heard this and just leave a real simple review. It would mean the world to me. I'd love to give you a shout out on social media, so make sure you leave a name that is recognizable. I also, as always, want to thank so many different countries of the world where this podcast ranks and it sort of changes from week to week. Obviously, we have the whole United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, but it really excites me when I see countries like Colombia and Thailand, Netherlands, Japan, Ireland, Mexico, Sweden. Seeing a lot of you there in those countries listen to this podcast. So, thank you so much. And another reminder that I do have a blog neilshafer.com, and I do have more than like 400 different blog posts there. Some of them I have authored, some of them I have had guests author. So, you can go through the archives of this podcast and find a lot of great evergreen information. But equally my website has a lot of great blog content. That's completely free for you to look at as well. So I hope you'll give it a chance. If you haven't been there recently, I completely revamped the user interface uh, and I think you'll you'll like what you see and it should be a lot more user-friendly. So go check that out at neilshafer.com As always, thank you for your support wherever you are in the world. Make it a great social day. Make it a great virtual social day, actually. And we'll be back at you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. And sayonara.